This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. Next to the unborn, the most helpless segment of our society is children, especially children who have no families. Christians have always recognized this and stepped up to help. Long before the state became concerned with the plight of children, churches were operating orphanages, establishing foster homes, and finding forever homes for these children. But there are those who disapprove of faith-based adoption services and are fighting to prevent states from contracting with such agencies. They say that faith-based agencies that place children only with mother and father homes is discriminatory against same-sex couples. The City of Philadelphia this month suspended partnership with Bethany Christian Services and Catholic Social Services for foster services following a complaint by a lesbian couple. Ironically, the city had just issued a call for an additional 300 foster families. Last year, the two faith-based agencies alone placed 436 children in forever homes. Attorney Autumn Leva of Family Policy Alliance discusses the sexual politics behind these efforts. And now today's Fast Track. The Rockland Unified School District in California, where Rockland High School student Brandon Gillespie's organized a pro-life walkout for today, said it would not officially sanction the event because it doesn't meet the school's criteria for special events and is not viewpoint neutral, unlike the March 14th National School Walkout following the Parkland shooting, which it said was a remembrance activity and thus was considered viewpoint neutral. More than 350 student groups and students are participating in the pro-life walkout today, but the event has still attracted little media coverage. A new social justice guideline released by Simmons College, that's a woman's college in Boston, has listed Merry Christmas and God Bless You as forms of microaggression. Students are warned that saying God bless you after someone sneezes is a microaggression against Muslims. The document also argued that someone wishing Merry Christmas is also a microaggression because it conveys one's perception that everyone is Christian or believes in God. Simmons College Library Deputy Director Jason Wood noted that the guide was created as a collaborative effort that included all librarians at the university, but a school spokesperson has stated that the document published by the librarians is not an official policy of the university. Fort Lauderdale Women's Center, an abortion facility in South Florida, continues operating despite the fact that its license was terminated by the Florida's Agency for Healthcare Administration, effective as of March the 27th. Broward Right to Life, which maintains a daily presence at the abortion center, reported that the facility has performed at least 34 abortions since the license was revoked. Florida abortionist James Scott Pendergraft IV, who is the owner of the Lauderdale Women's Center, had his license to operate a medical facility revoked because of his drug convictions last year. Consumer and activist groups called Monday for an investigation into Google-owned YouTube for allowing advertising to be targeted at children in an apparent violation of U.S. law. 
The organization said that although YouTube claims the site is only for users 13 and up, Google generates significant profits from kid-targeted advertising on the video-sharing service. 23 organizations signed a complaint with the Federal Trade Commission, arguing that YouTube is among the most popular online platforms for children and offers many programs designed for and promoted for children. Bibles are being pulled from online retailers in China as the government there cracks down on how its citizens practice religion. Christians fear a new wave of widespread persecution may be underway. The communist country has always controlled the sale of the Bible, but according to CNN, now online searches for the Holy Bible do not garner any results. World Liquor News Digest will be back right after these messages. Hi. I'm Pastor Ted Lesh, pastor at Chapel of the Cross Lutheran Church in North St. Louis County, inviting you to listen to our KFUO radio worship broadcasts on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. Active worship, preaching, music, and singing are part of every one of our services at Chapel. Join us Sunday nights at 6. It's one more broadcast worship opportunity for you from your friends at Chapel of the Cross and KFUO Radio. Listening to Worldwide KFUO on the go with your smartphone doesn't mean you have to walk around with earbuds all day. You can Bluetooth across the room to a speaker system in your home or listen on radios that have built-in smartphone cradles. There are many easy ways to listen to WorldwideKFUO.org on the air, online, and on demand. We proclaim the clear gospel message of Christ crucified for our sins. The messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO. This is World Lutheran News Digest. The work by the he we long as Lutheran Firehawan. I'm Kip Allen, host of World Lutheran News Digest. My guest today is Ms. Autumn Leva, who's with the organization Family Policy Alliance. We're going to be discussing the situation concerning adoption. You know, we all agree, I think, that the most vulnerable portions of our society are children, especially those who do not have families. They're in foster homes and are looking for families to adopt them into a loving home. Problem is, is that recently, faith-based adoption agencies have come under fire. A number of them have actually been barred from doing business with various states. For example, in our, our neighboring state of Illinois, uh, Catholic Family Services has been barred because they basically will not place children in same-sex couples. So what is the situation here? Ms. Leva, you are involved in this. You're an attorney. Your organization is involved in this. Could you tell me a little bit about yourself and about the organization? Well, sure. And thanks for having me on, Kip. I, I think this is an important issue to cover, mainly because when we talk about protecting religious freedom, Protecting those faith-based agencies that provide adoptions to kids in need, and typically those faith-based agencies are the ones placing the most difficult-to-place children, so children who are older or who have been abused or um, they've got some type of disability, and a lot of the faith-based agencies really specialize in placing those kids. And so protecting their religious freedom rights, their ability to find homes for these kids in a way that aligns with their faith and their beliefs, that's kind of 
the lowest hanging fruit <laughs> is what we like to say for protecting religious freedom. If we can't get our even our conservative leaders to protect these faith-based adoption agencies who are providing homes to kids in need, then we can't really count on our, on, on our conservative leaders to protect religious freedom really in any aspect. And so that's why we're fighting so hard um, on this issue to guarantee religious freedom protections for these faith-based adoption agencies. I think it's a really, really critical time for us as believers and for uh, our elected leaders who pledge to protect religious freedom. Well, we're seeing a number of different attacks uh, coming in, coming against the uh, faith-based adoption agencies, mainly from the LBGT group. Uh, notice that even uh, Media Matters, which is a, uh, a left-wing or liberal uh, media center has also joined has also joined in the fight, which uh, they haven't done before. So it shows, I think, an intensified attack on the concept of faith-based agencies. What's going on here? I think it really does boil down to something you mentioned earlier, and that is that there is this this sexual politics at work, this sort of LGBT agenda that's that we've seen play out in other arenas, and now it's coming into faith-based adoption agencies and also the foster care system as well. Um, And I think that our elected leaders really have a choice to make right now. They can choose to protect these vulnerable children. They can choose to protect life and religious freedom, or they're going to choose to follow uh, a sexual political agenda. And I think that's that's a critical choice. We, of course, want them to come down on the side of children and families. But I think this even goes beyond religious freedom. I think it goes to um, the ability to to live out our beliefs, the ability to live out even our just morality, even if it has nothing to do with religion, because a lot of these rules, I mean, they could essentially impact faith-based agencies who, um, you know, they could be forced to serve, say, all birth moms, including a mom who perhaps specifically wants their child placed in a Satanist or a Wiccan home. And of course, a Christian or a Jewish faith-based adoption agency would not be the right one to help place that child um, because, of course, they're not going to specialize in Satanist or Wiccan families. So this really goes even just beyond the LGBT agenda into the basics of how we want to ensure that people of, of beliefs have a place to exercise their faith in society, especially when it comes, again, to finding vulnerable kids uh, a home and a family. A good friend of mine is is an adoptee. Uh, she's an adult now with children of her own. Apparently what had happened in her history was that her birth mother was apparently Lutheran and was unmarried and decided to give the child up for adoption. But because the birth mother was was a Lutheran, she was able to arrange to have the child go to a Lutheran adoption agency. And the, the child was adopted into a Lutheran home and has grown up into a, a beautiful young woman who has her own family and an, an amazing career. None of this would have been possible had these attacks on religious faith-based organizations succeeded. In fact, today, I don't think, uh, since she was from California, this would be allowed. That's exactly right, Kip. And there's so many powerful stories of just redemption and finding hope and a family from children who have been adopted through faith-based adoption agencies. And and also, as you rightly point out, on the mother's end as well, these faith-based agencies, what I've discovered is that because they consider the process of adoption, not just 
um, a work or a social service, but really part of their ministry. And so the faith-based agencies typically walk alongside these birth moms and help them through that journey of adoption. Um, And there are many who, even if the birth mother decides not to adopt, they decide they want to parent their child. I know several faith-based adoption agencies that will continue to walk alongside her and serve her, providing even food, gas money, parenting classes, rent, all things like that in order to set her up for success. And that's what you get when it, when serving families and children comes from a place of ministry. And I think that one of the important points that we've tried to make in state legislatures across the country is that it's critical that we create a place for these faith-based agencies to operate in the state. And do we really want to send the message that every single faith-based adoption agency in every state is not welcome? simply because of a sexual political agenda. And I think I think that most reasonable state legislators will agree that we need to carve out a place for them. Well, I raised the uh, example earlier of our neighboring state of Illinois here. We're in St. Louis. They're just across the river from us. And when the Catholic Catholic services there closed and several other faith-based groups, it was all thrown back, all their children then went back onto the state agency, the State Child Welfare Agency, which has been riddled with corruption over the past few years. I mean, it's it's just, it's a, the only people suffering from this are the children. This is the thing that really bothers me as these children are being used for political purposes. That's exactly right. And unfortunately, that's what we see in so much of these sexual politics is that really, um, you know, LGBT activists, they may be targeting people of faith. They may be targeting Republicans. They may be targeting whomever. But ultimately, who ends up paying the price for that agenda is indeed the children. Um, And I think, you know, here in, in Colorado, where Family Policy Alliance is headquartered, We've seen that. Um, We took a look at the foster care system here and all across the the country, really. There's about 100,000 kids waiting in the foster system. And so if we take faith-based agencies out of the loop, and again, faith-based agencies who primarily serve those hard-to-place children, all of those kids land up in an already backed-up foster care system that can't place every child in need of adoption with a home. That, otherwise, we wouldn't have 100,000 children waiting to be adopted. Uh, so it would really be a problem for these kids and also for families who are looking to adopt and looking for an agency who will um, help them go through an adoption in a way that aligns with their values and their faith. Well, I'm not sure how many children total are involved in the uh, the system as far as the faith-based agencies are. I heard a figure of about 20%, but I don't know if that's correct. But if suddenly these were all to fold, it would certainly overload the existing systems. That's exactly right. And again, I can give you a great example from here in Colorado where we, we looked it up and there's almost 300 kids waiting to be adopted in the, through the foster care system here in Colorado Um, And then we figured out that of the 216 adoption agencies that are licensed by the state, only 16 of those are faith-based. But those 16 adopt uh, or, or facilitate the process of adoption for about 300 to 500 kids a year. And so that's all of those kids would end up back in the system. So suddenly that foster care system in Colorado of about 300 kids turns into several hundred more Um, And so, of course, we want to work to prevent that from happening. And as you pointed out, the faith-based agencies put together a lot more support systems for both the mother and the child than the state agencies. Uh, Could you give some examples? 
Absolutely. Yes, there's an incredible adoption agency here in Colorado that we've been working with. And um, as you might imagine, adoption agencies are primarily there to facilitate adoptions. And so for a secular agency, when a birth mother decides that she doesn't want to give up her child for adoption for whatever reason, usually that agency is is done with working with her. They don't have any other reason to work with her. But for faith-based adoption agencies, because they consider their work a ministry, oftentimes what you'll find is those agencies specifically raising funds. And a lot of these agencies are, are they are nonprofits, and as you might imagine, nonprofits they don't have uh, a lot of funds to spare, and every donation dollar is precious. And so they give up some of their own uh, budgeting to set up a fund that they raise money for to care for these birth moms who decide to keep their child, not give their child up for adoption. And so they do provide things like baby clothes, uh, parenting classes to set that mom up for success. And they often walk with that mom through the journey of her life with the child and remain connected with them throughout the years. Um, the adoption agency that I'm thinking of, they remain connected with a lot of the moms and the, ki- the kids that they decide to keep. And they send them Christmas cards, they're invited to birthday parties, that kind of thing. Um, and from what I've heard, this agency, they, they only do about 20 to 30 adoptions per year. But the birth moms that they help uh, reaches into the hundreds. Now, I know there are a number of states are trying to uh, to work on a protection act for faith-based groups. I, I think uh, Alabama, Michigan, South Carolina, pardon me, South Dakota, Texas, and some others are all considering uh, laws. There's one, I think, also at the federal level, the Child Welfare Protection Inclusion Act. Can you uh, discuss that one? Absolutely. And actually, the states you mentioned, they've already passed a a Child Provider Protection Act, an Adoption Protection Act in their states. Texas, South Dakota, Michigan, and Alabama, they already have this in law. And what the bill does is it it essentially says that the state cannot discriminate against faith-based adoption agencies because of their beliefs, that they should be allowed to operate according to their faith within the state. Um, And I think that's a good thing because, again, it makes sure that those agencies continue to place children that the children don't end up in the foster care system. There's a few more states considering that same bill this year. And then you're right, at the federal level even, we're starting to see even D.C. take notice of this issue with the Child Welfare Provider Protection Act, or Inclusion Act, excuse me. And that's, uh, that's sponsored by Representative Mike Kelly and Senator Enzi over on the Senate side. And what we're seeing is a really nice coalition forming of secular groups, faith-based groups like my own, and then even faith-based adoption agencies, all working together, trying to uh, encourage D.C. to take up this legislation and at least protect this one group when it comes to religious freedom, at least protect those entities that are providing services, critical services to kids in need. Um, We really need to be able to do that, especially in a Republican-led legislature, and we've got a Republican uh, right now in the White House. So this really should be something that they can take up and and drive forward. And we should also point out that there is nothing that prevents LBGT groups from adopting. Uh, The state agencies will do it. We're not trying to prevent them from adopting children. We are simply trying to direct the children that, that are within our care to those we feel are best suited to raise them. 
Well, that's exactly right. And I think that's a lot of the the kind of arguments that we saw around some of the other cases involving, say, the Christian bakers and florists who, um, you know, they may provide flowers or um, uh, catering or cakes for anyone, but they can't participate in a same-sex wedding. It's kind of the same thing here where um, LGBT individuals, they have the opportunity to adopt through other agencies in the state and throughout the country. Um, and in fact, there are adoption agencies that specifically cater to the LGBT community. And so I think the point is we have to have a balance here. We need to make sure that faith-based agencies can continue to operate according to their beliefs. Um, you know, I, I, I think there's a good example to throw in here. So should, uh, say, a faith-based, or I'm sorry, say a, an agency that caters specifically to the LGBT community and helps facilitate adoptions for them, should they be forced to um, serve a family that is happens to be members of the Westboro Baptist Church? Uh-huh. Should they be forced to do that? And I think that the answer there is no, but likewise, the faith-based adoption agencies also shouldn't be forced to serve every family if they're, they don't align with the mission of the organization. I read about one state recently that had... Uh that had revoked the uh, privileges for faith-based adoption agencies and in the same week put out a notice that they needed more foster families. It really is just stunning, and it highlights just how important and critical this is that we at least engage and protect religious freedom at this most basic level. Um, And I think that, especially for the church right now, I know there's a lot of times hesitation with believers and wanting to engage on social issues or political issues. But I think it's it's really time for us as believers to understand that this isn't just a political issue. This is something that quite literally impacts one of our biblical mandates, and that is to care for those in need, to care for the widows and the orphans. And, and you know, Jesus even says, let the little children come to me. And so there's this heart for children that we see throughout the Bible, especially those who don't have homes or someone to care for them. That's that's one of those things that is near and dear to the heart of, I, I think, almost every believer. And so when these, these policies come through that inhibit faith-based adoption ministries from doing their work in a state, that really is countering a direct biblical mandate that we have. And so I think it's also time for the church to engage on this issue and to really start to speak out about how important this is. Also, I think historically, going into the past, uh, nation's founding and all, adoption was really handled mostly through the churches. That's right. In fact, that's that's great that you mentioned that. We're uh, releasing a piece very soon here where we talk about that, about how the church throughout history has really stepped up in times of need, um, including with being involved in adoption and how adoption is seen is a beautiful picture of what Christ did for us in adopting us into his family. Um, throughout Scripture, the church stepped up when there were infanticides going on throughout ancient history and, and came to catch and even care for the babies who were being thrown off the bridge. I mean, there's just so many um, times where the church has stepped up for those in need, and I think this is, this is another one of those times, uh, but uniquely, America has a system of government where the people are supposed to be involved. Um, That's kind of how it's set up. We have an opportunity to speak into it. And so when an issue comes up like this, where it's near and dear to the heart of believers, I think it's, it's an opportunity, but it's also a responsibility for us 
to speak up about the need to protect these faith-based agencies and also the families, the Christian families who are adopting or fostering children in their home. Could you uh, give the audience some information on how they can contact you and get more information on what's going on in their individual states, what the laws are, and what they can do to help? Absolutely. Thank you. Yes. So at FamilyPolicyAlliance.com, um, we have several articles on this issue, and we're also engaged on this issue in many states and through our state-based allies. We have about 40 state-based allies throughout the country. Um, so please visit our website, see if there's one in your state, um, and we'd also love to partner with you. So if you're interested in this, this issue, please feel free to visit our website. We have a contact form on there if you have questions. Um, we can give you more detail about what's going on in your state. But most importantly, please sign up for our emails, be involved, because we are able to do state-specific action alerts for your state when this issue comes up. So we'd love to have you be a part of that. And also remember that as citizens, we have the absolute right to contact our our representatives. We can contact our representatives in the House, in the Senate, and of course in the state level, and find out what's going on with them. Do they support this? Do they oppose it? And let your vote go accordingly. This being an election year coming up, it's something to bear in mind. That's exactly right. Well, we're coming to the end of the program. Uh, is there uh, are there any closing thoughts that you would like to to present or to bring up? You know, I, I think the most important thing that I do want to emphasize is that um, as believers, we're called to care for the most vulnerable. We're called to care for those in need, especially children. And this is an issue that is near and dear to our hearts as believers. And so we really need to be involved in protecting these faith-based adoption agencies in the states, because if our elected leaders can't step up to protect um, the faith-based agencies, that's sort of the most basic level of religious freedom protection, to protect those who are serving children in need, um, then we need to be a part of influencing their decisions on this issue. We need to be a part of electing leaders who will support these faith-based agencies with their votes and with their actions as elected leaders. And so we just really encourage everyone to be involved and to make this a, a top issue um, as we head into the 2018 election season. And of course, protecting the children, that is perhaps the most vital thing that anyone can do. Ms. Levitt, I would like to thank you so much for being on this program. You've certainly shed some light on this uh, situation, and hopefully we can get some good information out there so people can know how to react. Thank you very well, much. thank you, Kip. It's a pleasure. <laughs> God bless you, and God bless your work that you've been doing. God bless you all. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.